0: we actually come from a position of, what problem are we trying to solve? So we actually don't set as a goal at NACU to create learning or to create certifications, although we do have learning and certifications. What we aim to do is to support the workforce and help people advance their careers.
1: I'm
2: Celisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 310, which features a conversation with Stephanie Mercado. Stephanie is CEO of the National Association for Healthcare Quality. NACU believes that workforce readiness is the key to delivering on quality, safety, and value in healthcare. NAQ supports individuals, organizations, and higher education with competency standards for quality and safety, along with assessments, coaching, and upskilling. Stephanie and Salisa talk about competency frameworks, certifications, workforce development, partnerships with employers and academia, the importance of not jumping to solutions, but clearly identifying and sitting with the problem to be solved first, and the value in asking, if your organization ceased to exist tomorrow would anyone start the organization again, and why? Stephanie and Salisa spoke in May 2022.
1: Now, given our focus at Leading Learning, I definitely want to talk about the role that NACU plays as a a training and credentialing organization. But before we get to that, you are a membership organization. You're an association that serves the interests of people in a specific industry, in that quality industry. So I'm curious to get your perspective on the role that associations play in society.
0: Absolutely. I think associations play a critical role in society and are really a foundational underpinning element to the success that we have in all of the industries that are represented by your audience. So the thing that's really special to me about working in an association is that the role of the association is really grounded in the word itself, which is to associate right? So when people either start associations or become a member of associations, they're really coming to them in a help me help you help me situation (laughs) and really understanding that they're coming together as a community to really educate, um, sometimes certify and advocate for you know, the work that the individuals within those associations are responsible for. So when I think about, you know, industries across all disciplines, you know, I really think about the fact that it's people helping people and that I don't know of an industry in business that doesn't have a corresponding association to go with it because that's how people support each other to do their best work.
1: Well, I like that idea of the (laughs) mutuality of it and everyone sort of helping everyone and then thereby improving society and and whatever specific industry or profession is being served. I know that NACU offers the Certified Professional in Healthcare Quality Certification, the CPHQ. Would you share a little bit about the backstory on that certification, kind of how it came to be and, and why it came to be?
0: Sure. Um, And as I talk about the certification, I, I feel like I need to just give a little backstory on maybe the beginnings of the profession of healthcare quality, too, because they're completely related. So let me take you back to 1965, when Lyndon B. Johnson signed Medicare into law. When that happened... The federal government became the single largest payer of healthcare expenditures. And about ten years after the signing of that law, there was discussion about how expensive it turned out to be to pay for healthcare to the Medicare beneficiaries. And as a result of that, the federal government started to pursue a line of inquiry to say, "Geez, what are we paying for? And um, and is it any good? Like, what are we getting for this spend?" That really was the realization that there needed to be some type of, they called it quality assurance back in those days, quality review, understanding, utilization review, like what is going on and is it adding value? And at that time, that was really when the profession of healthcare quality was born, which was in 1976. And so what happened, sort of true to the story, it follows the pattern of every association that has ever come into existence, where a group of people Who were like minded and working in a similar workspace said, Oh, geez, we've been tasked with doing this quality assurance thing for healthcare, and we need to figure out how to do that. You know, there's no training on how to do that. There's no workshops to go to it's a brand new thing and so together we need to figure out how to do our best work so that was really when the association formed was in 1976 and it started by again that people helping people notion which is the reason associations you know are in existence in the first place and it also began with some education right they started to, to help I know how to do this let me teach you you know how to do that I'd like to learn and you know really supporting each other so around 1983, those same group of people said, you know, we actually have a skill here and we have learned how to really get into the quality assurance space and really understand it. So they decided to create a certification so that if other people wanted to do it too, and sort of carry that badge of honor with the CPHQ, that they could as well. And so that's really how that started. I will say that the certification has absolutely stood the test of time because since 1983, we have made sure that it has kept up with uh, what was going on in the industry and today has evolved far beyond the notion of quality assurance and is really focused on quality and safety broadly, which today includes topics like health data analytics, performance and process improvement population health, quality leadership and immigration, quality management, regulatory and accreditation, and more. And so the certification really was born out of the need for this whole profession to emerge as a result of the federal government really putting their arms around healthcare back in the 60s.
1: Well, thank you for that history, the, the background there. That's very instructive to know that. And, and while we're going through some dates, when did you join NACU? When did you come on?
0: I began working at NACU in uh, December 2013, so I've been at the organization about eight and a half years now. So so let's talk a little bit
1: more broadly about the portfolio of offerings that NACU has out there. You have products to help individuals prep for that CPHQ certification. You have a certificate with an E, not an N. Um, You have a journal. You have a lot more, I'm, I'm sure, than even those things. So I'm just curious to know, how does you go about figuring out the needs and wants of the market and then determining what to build and what to offer?
0: Great question. And where we come in on this is maybe a little bit different than how some organizations think about how they would go about deciding what their learning portfolio is going to be. And so the way that we do that is that we actually come from a position of what problem are we trying to solve? So we actually don't set as a goal at NACU to create learning or to create certifications, although we do have learning and certifications. What we aim to do is to support the workforce and help people advance their careers. So our mission is really more about preparing the profession to do its best work and unleashing human potential to make healthcare better. So ways that we go about that and trying to figure out you know, what what is the need in the market? What problem are we trying to solve? Uh, certainly, we go through uh, many techniques to assess the market. I would say that would include things like environmental scanning with customers, but not to figure out what they need to learn, more to figure out what problems they need to solve, which may be supported through learning. We spend a lot of time looking at healthcare trade publications and figuring out, you know, what are some of the the macro trends in healthcare and, and what do people struggle with and how could we help them? We also engage our strategic advisory councils, which is a part of NACU's governance structure, which is sort of a built-in focus group for NACU with some really strong leaders who are helping us identify what the needs are in the market. And then, of course, you know, we do some traditional market research. But all of this is done from the perspective of not to figure out what course we develop next, but to figure out what problem needs solved in the market. And then how might education training or certification support that effort?
2: At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com slash services.
1: I know that w- one of the things that NQ has really spent a lot of work on, invested in heavily, is, is developing the healthcare Quality Competency Framework. And I'm guessing putting that together was a lot of work. How did you approach creating that framework? And and then how do you go about that work of of maintaining it?
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful resource. And I'm really proud of the competency framework that we created. Uh, I'll go back to when you say, how did we create it? I can talk to you mechanically about how we did that. I want to stop for just one second, though, and say, go back to what was the problem we were trying to solve for? And so when we developed the framework, it wasn't necessarily because anyone came to us and said, you know, we really need to develop a healthcare quality competency framework, right? Like nobody had that idea before we understood what the problem was, right? And the problem was that since 1965, when Lyndon B. Johnson signed Medicare into law, and then 10 years after that, when the government decided to start really understanding the expenditures and the quality and the value that was coming out of that over the next several decades, healthcare quality competencies and skills had been developed on the fly at a local level without the benefit of a standard. So it was great that NACU that started in 1976 had a bunch of professionals coming together, help me help you help me, right? Through that association network, through the certification. But in fact, there was a lot of building like I said, on the fly at a local level without the benefit of a standard. So most people came into healthcare quality because they were really good at something else. And then they were assigned to the quality role. You're a great nurse. How about you run quality? You're a great physician. How about you run population health, right? So the people have been put in roles that they have a lot of adjacent skills that will be helpful for, but they didn't have the skills to actually deliver on quality, safety, and value, those underpinning non-clinical competencies. So what we did is said, okay, well, let's define what those competencies are. And we went through a process where we engaged, started first with a Delphi panel, you know, thought leaders to kind of say, what's the landscape we're talking about here? And in doing that, we were able to come up with the eight dimensions that are in our healthcare quality competency framework. Again, including things like health data analytics, population health and care transitions, quality review and accountability, performance and process improvement, et cetera. And once we had those, we said, okay, what goes underneath of those? So within each of those eight uh, domains, we have competencies. And the total across all eight domains is 29 competencies. And after we got done with that, we said, okay, well, so now we have the, the areas, the domains, and we have, you know, three, four, five competencies under each of those areas. But what are the skills? What do people need to know how to do in those areas, right? So then we got a level deeper and created foundational, proficient, and advanced level skills so that it was clear what the work was. And when we were done, we had 486 skills stratified against the foundational, proficient, and advanced levels. So the framework, what it does is two things. Number one, at the end of the day, it really solves for that problem of having healthcare quality being built and defined on the fly at a local level without the benefit of a standard. So the, the competency framework outlines all the things that should be present in a high functioning quality organization, soup to nuts. What it also does is gives individuals an opportunity to understand where a career path might be. So no one person needs to have 486 skills, right? And most of the time when I mention the 486 skills, I have to like block the exits, right? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, like I'm not doing that 486 skill thing. And what we say is no one person has to, right? That's that's not necessary or you know, would not be have a good result. So it does those two things. So really solves for the the definition of healthcare quality broadly at an organization and then helps individuals know how to best contribute.
1: Well, thank you. And I'm so glad that you kind of took it back to the problem that was being solved, that then the competency you know, framework was sort of the answer to that. You've mentioned career paths, just in what you were talking about there. You mentioned you know, supporting the workforce earlier. Would you just talk a little bit about NACU's involvement in workforce development? Do you engage with employers? How do you engage with employers, whether that's to buy your products or potentially to help shape your products during development? Sure. Our
0: roots at NACU are in being an individual membership and certification organization. And around the time I arrived at NACU, what we started to hear was that organizational leaders really needed help training their teams. And so, you know, we started to to explore the option of maybe we could do some of this training on scale. And the, the market was quite interested in that training. But one of the problems with it is that very often the healthcare leaders would not even know where to start with the training. They're like, well, how do I even know what my people need, right? <laughs> We're like, oh, geez, that's a that's a whole other layer that we need to kind of understand. And so, again, because we aim to understand the problems in the market, we said, well, how would we figure that out? And so, what we did is we went to the healthcare quality competency framework, and we said, you know. I think what we could do is actually create an assessment around this framework. And it wouldn't be assessing the the skills or competencies that that the individual had, but it would ask them, what work do you do here at your organization in relationship to the competency framework, right? So they would go through a, a subset of those 486 skills and they would do an assessment and they would identify the type of work that they were doing. On the back end, we're able to look at that work that they're doing and and put them into categories of the foundational, proficient, or advanced levels. Or there's an option for them to say, NA, I I don't do any of those things, right? And so what we're able to produce is a very robust reporting package built on a Power BI platform where the leader of an organization who's focused on quality can go in and say, okay, from a a big picture quality perspective, are my bases covered? The answer is always no, not exactly how I wish they were covered, would be covered. And we're also able then to drill down into, you know, all the way down, you know, into departments, regions, individuals, and really identify who is doing what work and what is the the delta between the work they're doing and the work that the employer wants them to be doing. And then how do you close that gap? Is it with skilling? Is it with mentoring? Is it with some type of coaching, et cetera? So we're going into healthcare organizations and for the first time ever, you know, solving for that challenge, which has been created by not having that standard and creating things on the fly, local level without the benefit of that standard. And so that assessment has been hugely valuable. And so is the support that we also offer through what we call a NQ navigator. So we actually assign a NQ navigator to our organizations to walk with them step-by-step through this journey to assess the team's plan for career pathing and and progressing through their careers, and then making sure that they're getting the proper upskilling that they need. And we call that a solution workforce accelerator.
1: Well, it sounds like a really compelling package because it does sort of take that big picture view of both the organization, the department, the individual level, and then it marries that up with these practical next steps, right? How to actually address those gaps. How long have you had that product out there? The I guess it's maybe the, it's the NQ Navigator which is part of the Workforce Accelerator. Is, is that a relatively new addition or has that been out there for a while?
0: We actually piloted the concept of Workforce Accelerator in 2020. We started that in February, uh, right before the pandemic hit in the U.S. And so we did proceed with our pilots. We piloted early version of Workforce Accelerator in 2020. It was very successful. And we also learned a lot uh, through that process. And uh, we also got a lot of interest from the, the stakeholder groups that actually uh, participated anticipated so much so that two of the three client sites that we worked with, their points of contacts, their leaders of quality actually said, I want to come work at NACU and do this for the United States of America, right? We want to do this for NACU domestically and even globally. Like we want to help build this into something, you know, that can really change how healthcare quality competencies and skills are thought about and developed. And so with that, in 2021, we actually did a a beta launch of Workforce Accelerator. And one of those individuals came on at that time to to be the first kind of leader in that space. And we had launched in 2021 four four betas, including the Veterans Health Administration, Kaiser Permanente, Bon Secure's Mercy Health, and Valley Medical Center. And uh, three, of the four of those organizations have not only confirmed that they want to continue on with what they've started in their in the betas, but they actually are going to be expanding their programs with us. And so that's necessitated, you know, us to to hire more navigators. So we brought on the, the, uh, the other individual point of contact as a navigator now for NACU, who participated in our pilot with us and just added a third NACU navigator. So we are in a full commercial launch, of the initiative now. And I'm really excited about the impact that it's having on the leader's ability to really support their teams and unleash human potential.
1: In looking over the NACU website, as I was getting ready to, to talk to you, I, I just, it struck me that that you sort of forefront opportunities for universities right there on your website Can you share with us some of your experience partnering with academic institutions, kind of what that looks like, how it's gone?
0: Yeah. So, you know, at NACU, we really believe that, you know, the key to reducing variability in healthcare delivery is going to be to reduce variability in healthcare quality competencies. And while the variability there shows up loud and clear in the market where we, you know, serve individuals and organizations we really you know contemplated like well, what would it take to solve this problem sooner you know how would we get upstream on this so that we wouldn't have you know an entire healthcare workforce not only in the united states but around the world that hasn't been built on these you know standards and with these competencies in the first place and so we said well what if we started working with higher ed what if we went you know to um, Upstream, And so what that partnership looks like, you know, a lot of higher ed organizations in healthcare quality and also health business administration and also nursing and really any other discipline you can think of have in- begun to incorporate quality and safety competencies into their curriculum, which is great. But that kind of perpetuates the problem, which is a high degree of variability in healthcare quality competencies. If we have every single profession making up their own, that doesn't work when people get to work in healthcare where they have to work together, right? So we said, well, what if we could move upstream and actually standardize some of that competency training? And so we do work with nursing organizations. We work with health business administration programs. We're working with quality and safety programs, and they use our content um, as training. So we just plug that right into their curriculum and they follow the NACU standard. So that that takes the shape of a licensing agreement from
1: us. Wonderful. And I appreciate that you shared this idea of of Again, what made you think about you know why these partnerships would make sense? that idea of going upstream and standardizing even earlier? I think that's just gets back to your idea of understanding the problem and then thinking about what the solutions are, which seems to have led you to partnerships with academic institutions, higher ed. So I'm curious to know how you approach your own lifelong learning, Stephanie. You know, when you are thinking about how to continue to grow as a CEO, as an individual, what are some of your, practices or habits or sources that you go to, to help you learn?
0: So I'd say there's sort of three categories that I pursue my professional development in, and in no certain order, they would be certainly keeping up with what's going on in healthcare. Also, keeping up with what is going on in learning and skilling and competency development. I think it's a really important critical area for the future to focus on. And then also those sort of leadership and management topics that allow me to continue to build and grow the organization. So one of the practices that I have is seven days a week, around six or seven in the morning, I grab my coffee and sit at my kitchen table and open up my email, which includes news feeds from what are some of you know the best sources for all of that type of content. And I spend probably about 30 minutes a day, Monday through Friday, really focusing on probably more of like the quick healthcare topics, like keeping up with what's going on. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I spend a little more time than that. And then that's when I really dig into those leadership and management topics, which are a little, you know, have a little more meat to them. And I, you know, open up workforce learning reports and understand what's going on, you know, with workforce learning. So that's a, a big way that I keep current. So I'm, I'm consuming, you know, I guess maybe four to five hours, minimally, of content a week. About the things that are most important for me to keep my finger on the pulse on with regards to advancing the business of healthcare and quality and competency development. I also have a really great network of some people that have just become, you know, good professional friends and trusted advisors. It's sort of like I would say, They're my, you know, board of directors, you know, that I can draw on outside of the NACU board of directors, which I also draw on, that I can really tap into if I just kind of want to brainstorm something or, you know, need some support in one way, shape or form. I sort of have this, you know, tiger team, if you will, that if I I have a challenge, I can say, help me attack it. (laughs) How am I going to get through this? And they're really great sounding boards, which I appreciate very much.
1: Well, that sounds like a fantastic resource. Curious, how how large is your tiger team, as you just called them?
0: I would say I probably have five to seven people who I rely on regularly, just to kind of touch base with And By regularly, I mean, maybe once a week, I'll reach out to someone and say, Hey, I was thinking about this. What do you think about that? Or I ran into this challenge? Have you ever experienced that before? What did you do? You know, things like that. So yeah, about five to seven people that are sort of in my inner circle that I really appreciate and value and trust.
1: What I hear in your answers to that question about how you think about your learning and what you do to further your learning is that, I mean, it's, you're doing it on a continuous basis. You know, it's a daily practice that uh, the time in the morning every day, and then it sounds like even reaching out to your network, that that tends to happen fairly frequently on that weekly basis.
0: Yeah. And I would say too, one more thing that I do is I feel I'm a, a working mother Two school age boys. And so, you know, the small bites, the 30 minutes, the 60 minutes, you know, are, are things that I can do first thing in the morning when the house is still quiet. But also, too, you know, I do keep up with reading or listening to books, you know, business books, healthcare books, different things like that. And I'm not reading as many as I would like to be reading. But when I do that, I will often, you know, just go on a walk and just listen to an hour of part of a book, right? Or if I'm getting a pedicure on <laughs> a Saturday or Sunday, I have my earphones in and I'm not listening to music. I'm reading and I take notes, you know, of like, oh, that was really great. I want to remember that. So, I mean, I'd say just like, it's really hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the world and in healthcare and then, you know, workforce development and learning. And if you're not spending the time doing it probably five to 10 hours a week, I think it would be really hard to keep up with any one of those, uh, let alone all of them.
1: So Stephanie, when you are thinking about the future, and I'm thinking especially of the future for learning, what excites you? You know, Are there trends or developments that you have your eye on? Yeah, there's a lot
0: of, that excites me about learning right now. And I think that one of the key things is really this notion of skills-based hiring and performance management. So, there's a lot of work being done, as I'm sure you know well, around really being able to identify who has what skills for the work. Employers don't have the time or the money to make bad hires and hire people who don't know how to do what they say that they can do. And so this this validation of skills for the purpose of hiring and performance management I think is really really interesting and I also think that you know all of the technology that's kind of tied up in that is really neat too. I'm really excited about that.
1: So based on your experience what advice or maybe it could be a question to consider what would you offer to other association CEOs or learning business leaders as they're trying to think about what do I need to do to be successful?
0: So I'm a big fan of the notion that Simon Sinek brought forward, which was start with why and that people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I think that you know, the secret to make you success and the secret to my success has really been searching for those answers. Why are we here? What can we do that nobody else can do as good as us, and how can we add value to the market and solve those challenges? I remember when I first joined make you as the executive director, I heard in the interviews, in the interview process that the board was looking for what I would categorize as more, better, faster. But when I asked them specifically, more better, faster, what? No one could really articulate what that was. And so I, I went in search of finding out what it might be that, that we could do that would, that would really add value to the market and be our differentiating value proposition. So the question I asked every board member and five past presidents and everybody who happened to be on our advisory board at that time, so about 25 people, I interviewed and I said, if NACU was wiped off the face of the earth tomorrow would anyone start this organization again and why? And that was a question that kind of stopped everybody in their tracks. And they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I've I've never thought about it. And so I think that when you take a breath and say, okay, what are we really trying to do here? And let's get consensus on what that is. And it doesn't start with tactics. It really starts with the problem that you're trying to solve for and luckily for us what became very clear to me as i asked that question if anybody if Nike was wiped off of the face of the earth tomorrow and and would anybody start it up again and why the answer was because we're the only organization focused on workforce competencies for quality and safety like all right then let's do more of that right let's do that really really well we don't have a competency framework we should build one we don't have a competency you know based assessment We should build one. You know, we we don't have a way to work with healthcare organizations. We should find a way. And so that, I think, has been really, really important. So I think that, you know, the secret to NICU's success and the secret to my success is to be you know, intentionally curious and, and persistent and not give up because it was hard. It took a long time for us to answer that question. And I had some of the people I admire and respect said, Stephanie, I don't know why, you know, you're trying so hard. Maybe there isn't an answer. And I said, I know that there's an answer and we're going to figure it out. And we did. And we're doing great work now. And I think NACU is in a great position in this profession and the discipline of healthcare quality is in a great position because of that. Mm-hmm.
2: Stephanie Mercado is CEO of the National Association for Healthcare Quality. You'll find a link to learn more about NACU in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 310.
1: At leadinglearning.com slash episode 310, you'll also find a link to connect with Stephanie on LinkedIn, and you'll see options for subscribing to the Leading Learning podcast. We would be grateful if you would subscribe, if you haven't yet, as subscriptions give us some data on the impact of the podcast.
2: We'd also be grateful if you'd rate us on Apple Podcasts, especially if you find the Leading Learning Podcast valuable. Salise and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they also help the show pop up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a rating.
1: Lastly, please spread the word about Leading Learning at leadinglearning.com slash episode 310. There are links to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook.
2: Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.